So you want to be a turkey hunter. That is that is the question. And today I'm going to go live. I normally record my podcasts and then I upload them. So today I thought I'd try just going live so you can uh, listen in and see what's going on. You might be able to chat with me as we're going through here. So today we're going to be talking about uh, turkey hunting. So basically we're going to talk turkey today. So my name is Rory Cantore. I'm going to be your host today on Archer Talk 101. And as we talked about here, it's all about turkey hunting today. A uh, little, little bit about turkey hunting. For those of you that haven't turkey hunted, um, you may or may not know this, but those that have hunted turkey, you kind of know what it is. It's, it's a challenging, exciting, and in some cases, kind of addictive. Uh, you get a lot of... Uh, a lot of turkey hunters are just addicted to it. It's it can be exciting, and uh, uh, turkey senses are real keen. You know, sometimes just you know your heart pounding can they can detect that and run off. So uh, just like with deer, you know they they have some keen senses. So we have to get in there and try and uh, overcome those senses, try and outwit them, as you would you would might say. Um, some of the basic help in turkey hunting is what can I go over today. Um, you know, I'm not going to make you an expert after we listen to this, but you're going to have some idea. And, you know, if we have people coming in, um, asking comments or something, then uh, I'll look at, you know, if I look over the side, I'm just checking to see if he has any comments. Um, just see how this works. So uh, we can have a, a, you know, live chat going on here if we want to do that. And uh, you, we can always bring somebody into the call too, if we wanted. Um, so we'll just kind of see how that goes today. So turkey hunting, uh, late summer and fall, winter turkeys, they, they come uh, solitary animals. You know, that's the season we're in now, we're in the fall. Uh, so, you know, how would you hunt them this time of year? It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, they do gobble, but far less than do in the spring. You know, on a rare occasion, you know, gobblers will even come in, you know, strutting and gobbling, you know, like it was spring. But generally, that's not it. They just kind of come in just quietly kind of see what's going on. Uh, you can use some calls. Uh, they don't generally work quite as well. Uh, you know, the gobbler calls, uh, you know, whatever you're going to use. Uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. It's like even in the spring, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. I've noticed in the spring, sometimes you'll um, just closing your car door when you're going out in the area, thinking here, they'll gobble with the, the car uh, door closing. So, in the springtime, they gobble at all kinds of stuff. But in the fall, uh, you don't normally hear them too much. So they may come in, they may not. It's just one of those things that uh, uh, you never know. Uh, the fall season, you know, is kind of gaining more popularity. You know, as we have more and more turkeys, you know, a little bit bigger season, or we're getting them. So there's, you know, with increase in numbers of turkeys, um, I always not sure every state does it, but, you know, there's like over 40 states that have uh, a fall turkey season. Um, I didn't check recently on the numbers, but, you know, there, there's a good portion of states that have them. Uh, tur turkey hunting, it's it's pleasurable, enjoyable sport. A lot of people like to start it. Um, you get to sit, call the turkeys, they come to you, and, and it can be kind of exciting. All of a sudden, they appear in front of you, or sometimes you hear them and see them coming from miles away. Now, Generally, on, on for permits, uh, generally it's going to require you to have a separate hunting permit for the fall and another one for the spring. Uh, they're, you know, two different seasons. Uh, 
you know, turkey hunters normally are going to have one turkey per tag. Uh, in the fall, it's it's generally either sex. In the springtime, it's going to be toms only. Not because the hens are sitting on eggs, so you don't want to shoot them then. Uh, you know, because that's next year's supply of turkeys. Uh, now, a lot of them are just one one turkey per tag. I know here in Nebraska, I live in, in Nebraska, the eastern end over here, and we have now it's a two tags. You can get two turkeys on a tag. So that, that gives you a little bit more. The population is getting more and more. They're going to do that. I remember when I first started out deer hunting, uh, you had, you know, they had just had uh, two tags. That's all you could get. There was no more tags. You had two tags. That was it. Now, that you can get lots of tags. There's season choice tags that are run all all over the, the time. Uh, you know, depending on which weapon you're in. Some of them are unlimited. You know, like the archery, it's unlimited tags. You can you can buy as many um, archery tags as as you want. Uh, you're still limited to the normal straight archery tags, statewide archery here in Nebraska, to being only uh, two tags. But they have the season choice ones, the special ones, because the population is getting big enough that they can allow us to shoot more than, you know, just one one deer. Uh, you know, and turkeys are kind of getting the same way. Uh, so we want to make sure that, you know, we keep that going and, and just work on, uh, let's see. Growing needs to increase the turkey population. Huh. Yeah, here's here's a question that uh, Susan is: What breed can you recommend to grow and release? Uh, we want to increase the turkey population on our forested lands. Uh, if you're going to breed them, you need to make sure you go through uh, your your gaming parks or Department of Natural Resources. Because turkeys, uh, you have to do them correctly. You can't just uh, raise a turkey and turn it loose because it's been raised. So you need to make sure you go through and and do it properly. And they're going to know you. They're going to be able to tell you what species where you live uh, and how to help populate them. Uh, I would just get with the gaming parks or Department of Natural Resources, whatever they call it in your state. Um, she didn't say you know what state she's in, but that's one thing that uh, you do if you want to increase the population. The other thing is to just have a proper habitat for them. You know, there's, you know, as you take and decrease the population, you know, the, the land that they can live on, they're not going to be as many. Uh, you know, if you're out a little bit further out, you know, they're going to be there. And what your Department of Natural Resources can do is uh, limit the number of tags. You know, that's they start out with, you know, maybe you can only hunt toms in the, in the spring. And then as they get more and more, like here in Nebraska, that's what we had. We had one. Now we have two. Um, yeah, so it's a, the DNR. Yeah. Each state calls them something different. As I was going through looking at different tags for different states, some call them Department of Natural Resources. Some call them gaming parks. Here in Nebraska, it's called gaming parks because they deal with all the game and, and the parks. It's all just kind of lumped under one. Um, so I would get a hold of the DNR in whatever state you're in. I'm not sure what state you're in, but I can always um, you know, help you find that if you want to get that number. Uh, you should be able to just do it, look on their website and, and get something on that. So that was, that was a good question. 
little sidetrack, but that's why I thought I'd try a live one and see what's going on. We can talk about uh, uh, turkey hunting and, and how to increase our populations. Now, some of the characteristics um, of your turkeys is they're going to be found in a lot of, you know, like like Susan said here, in forested lands and different kind of trees and stuff like that. Oh, you're from Arkansas. Okay. Um, I can look that up when we're done here and I can post a comment in, in the uh, in the post uh, of the, the how to contact them. I, I don't know right off the top of my head. And I don't have an assistant to help me with this. So I'm just kind of on my own here on this. Um, so one of, one of the things that you want to look at is, like I said, their habitat. You know, they can be in hardwoods, they can be in pines, they can be in brushlands, um, you know, wherever you're at. You know, some states, you know, like out in the western part of Nebraska, there's not a lot of trees. It's a lot of brush and stuff. So the turkeys you have there, they're going to roost in different places. Now here in eastern Nebraska, we have lots and lots of trees. So our turkeys roost in trees at night. So if you're out with, uh, you know, the turkeys, you're, you're trying to scope out where they're at and you do find where they roost at night, as long as you don't go in and disturb them, they'll be there in the morning. So you know where to set up, uh, you know, they're going to roost. They're going to stay there all night. Now, what'll get them to fly out is somebody's walking through shining flashlights up at them and stuff like that. You know, then they'll, they'll get down and move to a different tree. But other than that, there's not much going to get them out of the tree until uh, they come down and and in the morning, and you can set up to um, cut them off. Hopefully, they come down your direction, but you never know with them. They might come down, go a different way, and and you can start making calls for uh, for them in the morning so the toms will come down to you. Uh, you know that's mostly going to be calling in the spring time uh, when when they're they're trying to do all their breeding and. And stuff like that. So now turkeys, you know, like like other animals, they have two ears, one on each side of their head, uh, so that they can hear. Uh, they hear very well, uh, so they're going to hear something, and they're going to be able to determine which direction it comes from. Uh, let's see, I'm familiar with my extension service egg agent in Salem. Other time you see it, yeah, that's. Um, that's probably where I'd start with Susan is it's just go to them and say, hey, what can you do to help uh, with the increase in the turkey population? And they'll give you some ideas. Uh, they might, if you have the facilities to do it, you might be able to, you know, uh, raise some for them or there's other things they can do. You know, they're always looking for volunteer help. You know, most of these places that, you know, they'll take volunteer help. I, I do that for our our gaming parks here in Nebraska do that a few times and deal with the archery. Um, I've gone out and volunteered and help out with different archery events. So besides having good hearing, turkeys can smell and they can see. So now you have a good sense of smell and then your their eyes, the wind, they can determine which direction the danger is coming from. They may not be able to see it too well, but they they can still see really good, uh, so you just need to um, be aware of that when you're going out. They can hear and they can see it, and, and you know generally they fly away from danger. You know they don't normally fly to it because they know where the dangers come from. 
you know, with their sense of smell and good sight and ears, they can determine the direction dangers come from, and they're just going to take off and go the other direction. Sometimes they might fly, sometimes they might uh, uh, just run, uh, depends on what they're doing. Um, I don't see them, you know, flying off like a pheasant, they'll get up and fly, but other times they'll, they'll run and run and run and, until they get to a fence and then they come up. So that's a little different when you're hunting out pheasants, but normally that's with a shotgun. <laughs> Now, if you're going to be hunting turkeys in an area that you're not familiar with, uh, one of the things you want to do, you know, here's some tips on, on how to locate them. Uh, you want to get a good map of the area that you can make marks on. And then if once you get it done for one year, you can use it next year and see if they're still in the same area. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Uh, you can go out and use a locator call, like an owl hoot or crow call, or even a turkey call. And then when you get a response from a gobbler, then mark it on that map, mark that location where they're at. And then that way you'll know they were at that time there. And then you can also, if you want to put date on it too, so you have a nice dog, you know, log at this date, they were at this location. And then you can see if you keep following them around, you can see what their pattern is and you kind of know, okay, maybe they use the same tree every night for this month and then the next month because it's colder maybe in a different spot you know kind of keep track of where they're at that helps you locate them uh and what i want to do is you want to scout for a good location on foot because you can see things on on the ground you know you want to check for signs uh, you know the birds might be scratching the ground you, you'll see that in, in the ground uh you might look for some droppings or feathers sometimes if you're in an area where there's a lot of turkeys you're going to walk along and you're going to find a turkey feather it's going to be sitting there and, you know, now you know that there's turkey in there because they dropped the feather. Um, you know, and this can help you locate them in areas that you're not really familiar with, where you go in and you're not familiar with it, walk around, because they may, they may go someplace else during the day because, you know, they're not going to just fly down and stay in that one field. They're going to move around. And if you find signs, now you know this is some place that you want to mark, mark on your map. This is okay. I know they've been in this location, don't know anything about, you know, where they're at, what time they're going through. You know, that's where trail cameras can come in too. You know, if you're on an area where you can put up a trail camera and don't have to worry about somebody stealing it or whatever, you know, especially private property, you're, you're generally pretty safe. Uh, put it up there and you can monitor them. That way you can see, you know, when they're going through, what time they're coming through. Uh, I'm using a, a trail cameras on an area I'm hunting for deer. And all the cameras, they're either in the middle of the night or right as shooting shooting time starts. I got one camera that come through right at legal shooting time and nothing during the day. So you can find that out. You can find out where they're at. That's nice. You get some pretty cool pictures. You know, you never know what you're going to find on those truck cameras. Uh, now, you want to when you're checking for them, check along uh, mud holes, creek banks, pastures, log roads, fence rows, uh, you know, many places like that. And then make as many trips as you can when you're trying to scout that area. Uh, you know, you can go in. You don't want to go in during the hunting season, you know, just for scouting around. Because if you're in there scouting around and somebody else is hunting, now you're disturbing them. And, you know, that's that's not good. Uh, you want to go in early enough or late enough that if you do disturb them, they're going to go back to their normal normal pattern. Um, and 
if you do see them, one thing you don't want to do is try and get real close to them. Um, they're, you know, at a distance, they're not going to worry about you. But if you start getting too close, they're going to start seeing you. They're going to, you know, hear the hear you. And now they're going to be, start running off. And now you just alter their pattern. Um, so now then where they was at, because you went and disturbed them, they now altered their pattern. So now when you mark it on your map, you mark where they used to be. Now you got to go find them again. So, you know, binoculars are a good thing when you're looking at fields. Uh, you know, just look at them from a distance and see if you can see them out there different times of day. You know, look for them in the early morning or late at night, you know, when they're going to their trees and they'll leave in the little village we're in. There's there's a flock of probably about two dozen that flies down. Uh, sometimes they have to go through and wait for them to cross the road. Uh, as I'm leaving, going up the highway, uh, the Nebraska, um, the University of Nebraska has got some land up there. And they're always up, up there. They walk across the, the road and you have to watch out for them because you, you don't want to hit them. Uh, that's, that's not good on your vehicle, for one. And then there's you don't want to you just don't want to hit them. So sometimes you have to slow down, almost stop, wait for them to walk across the road. Now, unfortunately, I can't hunt in those two places, but where I do hunt is across the street. So, you know, I can get out there with turkey and, and you know, hopefully they'll come down. And when they get down with the calls, come over to you. Um, now, here in Nebraska, we've got a really long turkey season. We get two tags. Um, it's a, a turkey tag with a shotgun or archery. And it goes from September through December 31st. So we have a pretty long season. Um, that's just something new. It used to be just just a short period of time. I know in the spring, it, it's uh, archery starts a little bit before the shotgun. And then it goes for, you know, just, I think, um, archery starts in March. And then April and May is is all there is for the spring season. And that's only toms. You know, you don't want to you don't want to take the hens out because they're laying on it. You know, they're sitting on eggs. Now. When you're going out, you know, if you're doing an archery, you know, I've hunted out of the tree stands. It's a little bit easier because you're up a little higher. Uh, but generally, you hunt out of a blind on there. Uh, but you want to kind of pick your spot, too, because, you know, when you're out there, you're all in camo. Uh, there's there's really no orange. Now, during shotgun season, I have some kind of orange just so that, um, you know, hunters know that there's somebody there because you're all completely camoed and, and generally you're sitting on the church on the ground. If you're doing shotgun, you know, this is an archery one, but you know, some of us also do shotgun as well. Uh, you want to sit up next to the tree. So the trees behind you, it also gives you something that you can rest your back on too. And it does gives you a little protection from behind, you know, cause if somebody's walking, uh, you know, you have a little bit of protection. You can see them coming, but those coming from behind. And also if the turkey's coming from behind you. So the turkey's coming from behind you, and you're there and you move a little bit, they're going to see it. They can see movement really well. Uh, so they can walk past you. Um, I know one of the guys I used to hunt with, um, he was in a blind and, and the turkey walked right up, right up to the blind, almost, you could almost reach out and smacked it. You know, if you have a good blind, uh, you, you can, you can do that. Now, the, uh, uh, the camel you're going to wear, normally we're going to wear a camel suit or a ghillie suit, a cap, a face mask, gloves, vest, um, 
And the one thing you want to remember is, you know, depending on what you're wearing for shoes, you know, here this time of year, uh, we're getting down into the teens at night and then it might warm up to 30. So we're in, in the teens and 20s. So you're going to have boots on, so you're not worried about it. But in the springtime, it can be pretty warm. And just remember, if you've got shoes on, don't wear white socks. You know, get some dark socks. So you know, as you sit down, your pants like comes up. You're not exposing that part of it, uh, your your feet or your ankles. Uh, now, with all the camo, one thing that is probably as important, if not more important, is movement. No matter how good your camouflage is, if you move, they can detect it. That's why a lot of us use uh, blind to get in because we can do a little bit of movement in there. And you just want to make sure that when you're on your seat in there, that you have, you're high enough with your bow so that, you know, test it, drop back, and now look and see where your arrow's at. Because there's times when I've done that, and it's like, oh, I got to make sure I sit up tall because the arrow is going to go through the blind. And I know people, you know, they shoot, a lot of them have shoot through mesh on them. But then there's part of it that's not designed to be shot through. And I know I've talked to people that are shot through it because they didn't realize that where you're seeing on that bow is is a few inches above where the bow's actually the arrow's actually at because the arrow is lined up with the corner of your mouth, but your sight and your peeps are up by your eyes. So that you know might be two, three inches taller. Uh, so you want to make sure you, you when you're in your blind that you have a spot where you know that arrow can pass out because it's below your pins and it rises up to your pins and starts dropping you know just like any any projectile like with a rifle it's also tilting up so as you pass through at uh, one point it's rising and then it starts dropping uh, so that's that's something you have to look at too is when you have your bow set up we talked about this on one of the other podcasts but i'll kind of quickly go over it again here is when you're shooting really, really close range, like five feet, 10 feet, your 20 yard pin is not going to be close. You're going to completely miss. You're going to have to use like a 60 or 70 yard pin. It's because of that, where the arrow is and your eyes are, they haven't had a chance to, to get in there. Now, if you're at 10 yards, generally use your 20 yard pin, you're, you're just fine. Unless you're shooting a real light punch bow. Uh, and then in case you might have a little, you might have a 10 yard pin. I never did because the difference between 10 and 20 yards with my 20-yard pin was maybe an inch at most. And and just just remember when you're out there shooting with your bow, you want to have the proper broadhead for turkeys. Now, the normal one that you use for like your deer, that your fixed blade ones, they have fixed blades on it. And when you shoot, if you have just the tip of it misses, but you catch part of that blade, you can actually cut the turkey and then leave a wound. Uh, now, generally, they're going to heal up from it. So a lot of the turkey broadheads are mechanicals where the blades are closed. So if you don't get close enough to open that blade up, then it's not going to hurt it. If it's close enough to open the blade up, then you're going to have uh, a good hit on them. Uh, you know, now let's talk about... Um, you know, when you're practicing, you want to get a turkey target. Now, generally, those are head and neck is what the turkey is. Because <clears throat> if you look at the size of a heart on a turkey, just remember when you get your turkey for Thanksgiving, you buy them in a store, 
they have they have the neck and then they have the, the liver and the heart. Look how big that heart is. That's very, very small. It might be maybe one inch diameter. You got to hit that one inch spot. It's going to hit them in the heart and the lungs aren't much bigger. So normally on a turkey, you're going to go for either head or neck shot, depending on which, which type of uh, uh, tip you're using. Uh, but generally that's going to be, that's going to be your bigger target than going for the heart and lungs on a, on a turkey. Not saying you can't get them, but just they're, they're going to do that. Uh, when you do shoot one, you want to make sure that you wait a little bit, pay attention to going, because they I've I've heard of, of turkeys going a long ways, and then they ended up getting buried, and they finally found them after digging underneath a bunch of brush and stuff where they thought they'd seen it go down. Uh, so you just want to make sure you keep track of them, uh, kind of get an idea. Because they can, they, for some reason, they can hide really well. <laughs> and you want to practice uh, shooting at those targets just so you can get familiar with, you know, where you want to shoot, what you want to do. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the mechanicals are better uh, than they do have some fixed blades that are turkey ones, where instead of being like a four-bladed uh, broadhead, two of them are dull and, because they you want to slow it down a little bit. And then, uh, you know, they, they have just a regular mechanical blades. And then they have some called like a guillotine, which is like a three-inch wide blade on them. And you, you have five-inch feathers on the back of it just because the front is so big. You need all that fletching in the back to help stabilize the arrow. But when they do hit, there's there's no – either you get them or you don't. Uh, it's not one of those that uh, – uh, you can you can wound them because the, the blades are so big. If you have a hit, you don't have to be quite as accurate with them because you have like a six-inch wide cut on some of those. I don't use those just because I don't want to take the time to try and set up yet another type of arrow. I do use feathers on my, my arrows. Now, in the process of setting up your blind, you you want to make sure if you're going to buy with the commercial ones and pop those up, those are good. You can set them down. You can also add some extra cover around them to help them hide a little bit. But if you're going to use natural cover, you want to make sure that you're making a blind and not a hide. You're not hiding. If you have too much cover, they're not going to see you, but you're not going to see them or you're not going to be able to shoot. So you want to make sure that wherever you expect them to come out, now, generally, if you put your, when you put your decoys out, you're going to know how far they're at. You know they're going to be shooting in that area because they're going to come up to your decoys, uh, you know, in the spring. Uh, in the fall, I I haven't really done too much fall turkey hunting because uh, it's always during deer season. And I'm going after bigger animals instead of the smaller ones. But, you know, springtime, you know, you're going to set them out and you, you're going to know where they're at. want to make sure you have good, clear shots. So you don't have to worry about hitting anything. Make sure that you're, you know, if you're using a recurve, make sure you have plenty of height. And if you're going to sit down, make sure that you can shoot it. Practice shooting out of however you're going to be shooting. If you're going to be sitting on a chair, practice shooting at a chair at your target. If you're going to be using a, a compound, you don't need as much height above and below. If you're using a, a longbow or a recurve, you need quite a bit of room below you. So sitting in a chair you may not have enough room for that. So you might have to have something a little different. You might have to uh, 
um, try different things, try different angles. You may not be able to hold that bow in the traditional way of you know holding up. You might have to cant the bow over just because you don't have room to get that bow in there. You want to make sure you don't hit anything. Um, I know, you know, people have have taken and they shot and one of the cams hit something. I did that once. My cam uh, caught caught part of my tree stand, and of course I missed that deer by by yards, <laughs> and it was it wasn't that far of a shot. But it just stopped that top limb, and it just drove that top the stopped the bottom one, drove the top one down, and I think I probably missed it by five or six feet, and then it was only, uh, oh, maybe a ten yard shot, you know. So that's something you have to look at too when you're out there hunting. You want to make sure that you have good clearance for whatever bow you're using. If you're using a crossbow, or if you're using a compound bow, or or whatever type of bow, just make sure that you know where it's going to be at where the limbs are going to be moving when you're shooting uh, so that you don't hit anything. And then when you're looking at distance too, what do you have up close? You know, if you're making a, a natural ground blind, what do you have up close? Look at what you're going to be. You know, if you have something that's five feet in front of you, look and see where that's at. Take a look at it and see, okay, uh, I pull it up, say like I have a 20, 40, 50, and 60 yard pin and you drop and that that branch is at your 60 yard pin. It's about five, five to seven yards away. You're going to hit it. So you want to make sure you clear that stuff out. You know, that way you're, you're hidden, but you're not in a hiding place. Now, generally you're not going to be using the gobbler calls um, like you do in the spring. Uh, you know, they can be productive at some times, um, but a lot of areas, you know, there's a lot of hunters out there and they're looking for the gobbler when they hear the gobbler. They're used to going at, you know, in the springtime, you hear the gobbler, you're going to it. So if you have a gobble call, um, you're sounding like the gobbler, then th that may be attracting other hunters um, as well as turkeys. So that's where, you know, when you're setting up, you want to make sure that you have something that you can protect from behind. You know, I, I've been in in trees before and people come through and just ran, you know, when I was out at a public area, I was up in the tree stand and they're coming through and, and I just, I was watching them in my tree stand. They're just taking random shots at, at stuff on the ground. Fortunately, they weren't shooting up in the air, but uh, you just watch them shooting just random stuff. And so you guys, okay, if I shoot in this grass pile, there's something to come out, <laughs> you know? And so you, you just got to be aware of that kind of stuff too, you know, always, Always leave something to your back where you're not seeing. It also hides you from the game you're hunting as well as anybody else coming in uh, so that, you know, accidents can happen and you don't want to do that. Now, one of the colors, some of the colors you don't want to wear when you're out there, when you're turkey hunting, is red, white, or blue. Now, those are the colors in the head of your turkey. And a lot of hunters, when they're out turkey hunting, they're looking for the red, the whites, and the blues, you know, so that they just don't want to eliminate that. Uh, generally, you're going to be all cameloed up anyway when you're turkey hunting, whether you're doing shotgun or, or uh, archery. Now, one of the things to think about, too, is um, sometimes you don't know it, but another hunter might be calling a bird. And if you try calling it, you know, that's kind of, that's not very sportsmanlike. You know, if they're working a bird, the bird is going towards them. Go ahead and let them go. You wouldn't want them to do it to you. 
so that's just kind of um, something that, you know, you need to be, you know, sportsman and ethical. You know, if they're calling a bird, a bird's going to them, go ahead and let them go because there might be another bird that's coming in. It's going to come right by you. And if you try calling now, then you got them both confused. And so that's one of the things that you can do. And just remember, it can be a lot of fun. Uh, this time of year, it gets really cold. So dress for warm. Uh, in the springtime, it can be cold and hot, uh, mosquitoes. Uh, so just depend on what time you're going out in the area you're in. Um, now, here in Nebraska, right now, like I said, it's cold. So you get out there and it, it's, it can be a little challenging to draw that bow back when you're cold and you have all these coveralls on. You know, and that's something that's hard to practice in the summertime is putting on your big heavy camo coveralls to keep you warm in the wintertime and not burning up roasting so so much on uh, practicing but you still want to practice you know when it gets a little cooler or go out first thing in the morning you know start getting a little cooler start practicing with your hunting clothes on uh, and that's just going to make it a lot better for you when you get out there and remember don't don't stop shooting your bow just because it's hunting season um, I know I had I had one bow I still have the bow. It's my the bow I hunt with, and field tips hit one spot. My broadheads hit in a different spot. But I know when I'm practicing with it, I know they're not going to hit in the same spot. They're going to hit a little bit off. So I, but I don't care because I know when I hit you the broadheads, they're going to be right on. Uh, so that's kind of what I do. Um, everybody's watching this live. Uh, uh, thanks for joining in. Uh, make sure you leave a comment if you watched it live or watched the recording. I'd kind of be interesting is how many was actually watched it live. And just remember, I have uh, a coaching program that I offer to, um, you know, all my listeners. Uh, it's a, I have a free 15 minute consultation call to see if uh, coaching might be for you. Uh, I have been working with archers for over 25 years and been shooting a bow for almost 60 years now. So I've been shooting for a while. And I, I'll, I'll leave a link in the description. Um, or if you're listening to in the group, you can just PM me and I can send you the, uh, um, the link to the, the form to fill out just to get you to know a little bit better. And, you know, we'll see if uh, coaching might be for you. It might, it might not. Um, but, you know, fill out the form. We'll get on a 15-minute call and, and we'll see if that may be something for you. And then I also have uh, archtalk101.com the website that I, I post stuff out to. If I review a product, I'll have it out there. I have a link to, you know, I'll have links out there sometimes to, uh, you know, products that, that I support. Uh, a lot of them are going to be an affiliate link. So I get a little bit of money off of it. Uh, you know, I, I, that's all I get out of those. And then of course, uh, those watching this live in the group, uh, the Archie Talk 101 Facebook group, is another good place to get information. I'll leave a, a link in the description for the, the podcast when that comes out. Uh, you can listen to this on the, the podcast. Uh, if you go up in the group, if you're, if you're watching this on the group, if you go to top of the group and click on the image up there, there'll be links in there to uh, the website as well as the podcast. You can listen to them on the podcast. And when you listen to it on the podcast, I do get a little bit each time you view it. Not much, uh, but it, it's a little bit. It helps the channel out a little bit. And then you can also get other information. I do post stuff out on my YouTube channel. 
and and that is uh, the YouTube channel would be um, just um, YouTube at uh, um, Roy Canterbury is one of them. Um, I think that one that one still works. But um, the the main one is learn to fix it yourself. And I'll, there's a should be a link in in the um, uh, if you go into the Facebook group up the top in the banner. I click on there, there'd be links in there for that. So I'll leave links to that in the description if you listen to it on the podcast. And if you want any more information, just go ahead and uh, send me a PM. Uh, I don't put links in the, the group uh, just because I don't want it to be a place for selling. But, you know, if you want to PM me, I can help you out with that. And I'd be glad to help any of the archers out, see if there's something we can do. I know there's been many archers, uh, some of them in this group, that have started out with uh, 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 groups that are, Oh, six, eight inches. And uh, the, uh, the last picture they sent was three arrows touching. And I've been doing that for many years. So if you want to get better at archery, just let me know how I can help you. I'd be glad to help you. So once again, my name is Roy Kentbury, and I've been your host today on Archer Talk 101. See you next week. <laughs>